Beginning back on uh, March 13th, we've, uh, we've taken now a couple Sundays to be our third Sunday to talk about some church insider stuff. So we talked about uh, church leadership, uh, specifically how we approach leadership at Faith Community, how that relates to our selection of elders and what functions they serve. And then we talked about uh, volunteerism a couple weeks ago and how the Holy Spirit has gifted and empowered each of us to serve in the life of the church for the sake of the local body and for the sake of the community at large. So we've talked about those things. At Faith Community, we've, we've always um, functioned with a clearly stated mission. Today we say it this way, that our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus for the, sake, for the good of our community and the sake of the world. That's just how we put it. We take our cue from Jesus, from the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, where he gave us what we know as the Great Commission to go and make disciples. That's why we exist as a church. That's primary. Everything we do needs to feed that mission. Everything else is secondary. So last time I was at the podium, oh, by the way, I want to thank Josh and Megan. They're not in the room. They're with the teens. But uh, for last Sunday's teaching, uh, I just are so grateful for them bringing uh, that message last week and the way that they, the spirit in which it was delivered. And I know it, it really uh, connected with a lot of you, and I hope you had a chance to communicate that to them. Um, so I'm glad to have them as a part of our teaching team. But last time I was at the podium, uh, we talked about volunteerism, and we said that every churchgoer has a decision to make, that you can park in your usual spot in the parking lot, you can make your way to a comfortable seat in your favorite row. Uh, You can listen to some um, sermons, whether they're good or not, that's for you to determine. You can sing some songs, you can chat with some friends, and then you can go home and you can repeat that like every seven days. And that, that choice makes for a nice, safe, comfortable Sunday morning experience. Or You can throw yourself into an adventure by rolling up your sleeves, joining a team of like-minded, servant-minded people, and help to just build the the local church that God has called you to be a part of. Those are the options, right? And we looked at the story of Jesus washing uh, the disciples' feet in John 13, and we said that uh, Jesus has called each of us to drape a serving towel over our arm. And you responded. You responded big time to that. We added, I think, 16 or 18 new people to ministry teams, which has made a huge difference in the rotations on those teams. So it's really, really helpful. So thank you for that. Now, just to be completely honest, if uh, there, there, there are always, not to imply that we're not completely honest, I don't know why we say those things, but there are always things in the life of the church that I wish that we could just like press a button and everyone would just automatically experience that. Like I wish all of you could experience what it is to pour into the life of a child in a children's ministry and to sit with them in their small groups, to sit on the floor with them in these groups of little people, right? And to see them begin to understand what it is to follow Jesus and then to get baptized and maybe have your name mentioned as a voice of influence in their baptism story video, right? And you know that you had a part in that. I wish all of you could experience what some of us have been privileged to experience on our mission trips to Guatemala, to serve people who have next to nothing, who are so needy and yet so grateful. I wish all of you could share in the experience that Alethea and I have had in hosting and leading a small group in our home for nearly 25 years to grapple with questions and and tough passages of Scripture and biblical principles that are sometimes hard to implement and to walk with our friends through tough times and to celebrate with them in good times. I wish you could all experience that. 
I wish we could all be open-handed to God with everything that we possess. I wish we had a church full of people whose possessions did not possess them. Can you imagine the wave of generosity that would overwhelm our community? Those are some of my wishes. But the thing I want to talk about today, that if I could just push a button, right? And one of the things that would be true of all of us is that we would all be in some sort of intentional biblical community. Some sort of intentional, maybe structured biblical community with other followers of Jesus. Like doing life together so that as things come along, good things, bad things, things to celebrate, things to encourage each other through, I would like push a button and place all of you into meaningful relationships with other followers of Jesus. And over the years at Faith Community, we've created and experimented with all kinds of environments, small groups in homes, men's ministries, women's ministries, 20s and 30s groups, all kinds of environments where we can get smaller than we are here in this room on Sunday. Because like, I'm convinced as great as Sunday morning is, and like, we put a lot of emphasis on this setting. We put a lot of thought and preparation into this environment and this experience. And those of us who teach and, and the worship band and the children's ministry leaders put a a lot of preparation into this experience and as important and as great as we believe this is the truth is we're still convinced that circles are better than rows circles are better than rows if you've been around for a while you're like we know already like give us something new why is this all you talk about you're like a broken record find a new pet peeve that's not a problem like i don't know i don't know i've been on this kick for like over 30 years over 30 years ago, I discovered what it was to be a part of a small group. So like, after 30 years, is it really a pet peeve or is it a passion? So yeah, I talk about this a lot. Like, at least every three years in the life of our church, I probably should talk about it about once every three months. Because circles are better than rows. Like, face-to-face, and don't take this personally, but face-to-face is better than all your faces looking at me. Okay. <laughs> I have the better view here. We all know that. So uh, let's just, we, okay. Like, I'm convinced of it because that's a kind of setting where I've seen growth happen for myself and the people I've done groups with. It's where you get the deepest sense of belonging. You get this sense of being known. It's where you get the best spiritual care. So today, I want to talk about one of the primary reasons why meaningful relationships, so those are the, that's the desired product of a smaller environment, right? So why this is so important. So I want to take some time to give you just one reason, okay? Um, this could be a long series, but I'm just going to give you one reason why we are convinced that these environments are, these smaller environments are so important. Because I mean, like, what if, I love asking that. Like, what if, what if we could create environments where real relationships with God and with each other could grow every time we gather? What if, what if all kinds of people could gather in these environments to hear inspiring stories and engage in conversation on a regular basis? What if, what if we gathered with one another to discuss topics that are relevant to our lives, spend lots of time in, of time in guided conversation, and maybe experience a spiritual aha that connects God to our everyday lives. So the compelling reason for these kinds of relationships and the teaching I want to get into today comes from something that Jesus said. 
And this is not a passage that I've seen on a bumper sticker ever or on a calendar or on a social media meme. It isn't really happy, cheerful stuff, uh, but it, it's something Jesus said, and there's a ton of truth here. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 17, and uh, here's what Jesus said. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. So, so Jesus looks at the people he loves the most, and he says, hey, just let me give you a heads up about life. Eventually, you're going to stumble over something. And when you stumble, like when you physically stumble over something, it's because you didn't see it, right? If we saw it, we probably wouldn't stumble over it. And Jesus says, I got to give you a heads up as you go along in your life, things that cause people to stumble, things that will potentially cause you to stumble, they're just going to be there. They're going to be in your way. In the Greek, don't you love it when I say in the Greek? Like, I know what I'm talking about. I, just to the interest of full disclosure, I took one semester of Greek, not even in seminary, in high school, okay? So I took, because that's what kind of student I was. I took one semester of Greek. I don't know Greek, okay? I don't know Greek. But I do like to read the insights of people who, who do, right? I find it really illuminating for me. So here's what I've learned about this passage and other passages like it. In the Greek, they often put the most important word first in the sentence. So if you think about it, it's kind of like Yoda speak, okay? If you, do you know who, how many of you know who Yoda is? Okay, I don't, I even know who Yoda is, and I've, you know why? Because I haven't been living under a rock for 45 years. I've never seen a Star Wars movie, but don't hate me for that, but um, Yoda, it's okay, you've probably never watched The Friendly Giant, so come on. Little Canadian reference. They don't even know what they're laughing at, do they? No. Look up, look way. Sorry, I'm off, <laughs> off notes here. Jo Yoda is the, the grand master of the Jedi, right? So Yoda, you can correct me if any point if I'm wrong here, but Yoda is credited with all kinds of wise and memorable quotes in the Star Wars franchise. So Yoda speaks in an object, subject, verb, sentence structure. Again, you know how much I love grammar, so this is kind of interesting to me. So object, subject, verb, which is not how we typically talk. For instance, Yoda said things like, truly wonderful, anybody? The mind of a child is, right? Or how about this one? Powerful you have become, the dark side I see in you. How about this one? Patience you must have. When you look at the dark side, careful you must be. Or impossible to see the future is. So, anyway, Yoda. Yoda speak has some similarities to Koine Greek. Because Koine Greek, when the most important word of the sentence is the object, often they would put that at the beginning of the sentence for emphasis. So, the literal translation of this verse would be, impossible it is, doesn't that sound like Yoda? Impossible it is for stumbling blocks not to come. That's what Jesus said. And that's what he emphasizes. So we need to know, no matter how long we've been a Christian, Jesus says, it's impossible for you to live life without there being things thrown at your feet that have the potential to trip you up. It's just going to happen. 
In these words in verse 1, things that cause people to stumble, it literally means a trap. So something that traps you. But Jesus uses it figuratively, and he's talking about things like those desires, those relationships, whatever, that blindside us. And the next thing we know, something's happened to our faith. And the next thing we know, something's happened to our intimacy with God. Next thing we know, we're still coming to church most of the time, but we're not quite as involved as we used to be. Or next thing we know, our heart's not really in it. Next thing we know, it's been months since we've even opened our Bible outside of Sunday morning. Next thing we know, it's been months since we've really prayed, you know, anything beyond, you know, God, get me out of this mess. Things that cause people to stumble are anything that leads us to act contrary to a proper course of action or set of beliefs. This isn't new information. If you grew up in the church, you have your own version of this because although maybe you grew up in the church, maybe you stumbled somewhere along the way. Maybe you stumbled out of church. It's a lot of people's story. There are lots of things that cause us to stumble. And some of the things that cause us to stumble and to drift away from God, listen, can in and of themselves be, actually be good things. So I think I, I want us to hear today, like as smart as you are and as mature as we all are, as followers of Jesus, as knowledgeable as we might be about the Bible, as involved as you might be in stuff around the church and as spiritual as we all are, right? In spite of all that, Jesus says it's impossible for you to get through life without, at some point in your life, without something being thrown in your way that has, listen, the potential to cause you to stumble. Sometimes it's ideas. Maybe you go off to college and somebody presented you with some new ideas you'd never thought of before, things your parents had no answer to, new information. And you tried to process it on your, on your own, it caused you to stumble away, caused you to stumble out of church and away from belief, and maybe even away from faith in God. I think for most of us, when we think about our history, the things that caused us to stumble, to stumble away was people, a different set of friends with different values. Another thing that has enormous potential to cause us to stumble is wealth or money. You're like, well, I, don't, I get a pass here. Listen, you've heard the term deceitfulness of riches. Jesus uh, used those words in the parable of the sower. Do you know what the deceitfulness of riches is? It's, it's that if I have enough money, like if I, if I have a certain amount of money, if I have a certain, certain things that money can buy me, if I can achieve a certain level of like security that I think money can get me, then I can be happy, then I can be fulfilled, I can be satisfied. That's the deceitfulness of riches. Here's the deal. With wealth comes opportunity. With wealth comes options. And you're like, oh, well, I'm exempt from this because I'm not wealthy. Let's just stop for a second. The average American income is just over 52000 a year. And you're like, oh, I don't, just hang with me here. Get the big picture. The average American income is just over 52000 a year. It's $144 a day. According to the World Bank, nearly 10% of the people on earth, nearly 800 million people, live on less than $2 a day. But Americans, less than 5% of the world's population, live on $144 a day on average. And I know, I know, you want to compare yourself to your neighbors and to your coworkers and to so-and-so and with someone sitting a couple seats away from you because you saw what they drove in on today. But look at, let's look at the bigger picture. If you live in a house, if you live in some kind of a structure that, sh that shelters you from the elements, if you drive a vehicle, if you've been vaccinated against any diseases, if you drink clean water, 
If you wear shoes, you are wealthy by comparison. One of the problems with poverty is, is the lack of options. Because with wealth come options and opportunity. I love this verse in Proverbs 30. where The writer says, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Listen, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may, be, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Because wealth is a distraction and it brings options. And wealth is one of those good things that has the potential to become a stumbling block. Like data shows that, like even before COVID, that people who attend church are attending church less often. We've seen that here. It's a, it's a thing. And research data shows that one of the driving factors is wealth. It's prosperity because with more money come more options. Like more options for our kids. Have you noticed? More options for our entertainment and our leisure. More options for travel. So the flip side of this, I would say, is hard times. Like a hard time can be a stumbling block, right? We get that. Because difficult times ding our faith, don't they? Difficult times make us wonder, has God given up on me? Difficult times cause us to wonder, is God there? Uh, Is he listening? Does he even care? Difficult times can be a stumbling block. So Jesus' point is this. He doesn't really tell us what these stumbling blocks are. He just says, look, it's impossible for you to get through life without things being thrown in your way that have the potential to cause you to stumble. And, and, and I, don't, I don't think I have to convince you of that because most of us have lived enough life to know that we've stumbled, that we are prone to stumble, that the least little thing when we can't see it can cause us to stumble. So let me ask you this question and we'll move on. Do you think it's possible that there's something out there that could cause you to stumble out of a growing relationship with Jesus Christ? like away from what you currently embrace? Do you think there's anything in your life that could cause you to stumble away from your values, away from the things that you're committed to? Now, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter how you just answered that question in your mind because the answer is yes. That's because that's what Jesus said. So do you think there are things that could be set in front of, let me ask it this way, in front of your middle schoolers who aren't in the room right now? Let's talk about them, okay? That could cause them to stumble, you think? Or your teenagers that could cause them to stumble away from their faith, stumble away from values that you've tried to instill in them, stumble away from the things you've tried to teach them? I think we sit in church sometimes and uh, you listen to us talking about stuff, which is very gracious of you, and we're like, pay attention, pay attention, look out, that could be a stumbling block, be careful, you know, pay attention. We sit there like, well, that's not going to happen to me. All right, it happened to me once and I learned my lesson, I got to figure it out. But for every single one of us, there is something out there that have thrown in our way at an inopportune time, when it comes to our faith, it has the potential to just take us out. To take us out when it comes to our personal relationship with God, take us out when it comes to our effectiveness for God, to take us out when it comes to our reputation. And Jesus promises that, hey, here's something, he wants some promises, here's a promise. These things are going to come. Impossible it is for you to completely avoid these things that cause people to stumble. So here's why this is so important as it relates to our desire, our dream for all of us to be connected in what we call circles. It's easy, listen, to stumble out of Sunday morning church. That's the easiest thing in the world. 
Because Sunday morning church is an attendance thing, right? All of us can probably tell a story about a stage in our lives when we stumbled out of church, church attendance. It's easy to stumble out of church attendance. I've seen some good things cause people to stumble out of Sunday church. You know, work, got to do it. You know, it's a noble thing that you're doing. You got to do it. The lake, youth sports, work, uh, camp, uh, races, school, youth sports, work, <laughs> family obligations, work. It's so easy. It's easy to stumble out of belief. Some misinformation, a bad experience, too many distractions, the wrong influences. It's easy to stumble out of faith. It's even easy to stumble out of a personal relationship with God. To get to the place where you're like, I don't, I don't read my Bible as much as I used to. I don't pray as much as I used to. I don't pray like I used to. I don't get to church as, as much. I, I don't serve others as much. I, here's the thing. And this is, a, this is a, an idea that we've put to the test over the years, and I've found it to be true, that it is almost impossible to stumble out of community. It's almost impossible to stumble out of significant connection and relationship. It's almost impossible to stumble out of a group of like-minded, connected people who are doing life together, and you're praying together, and you're asking the difficult questions, and you're in God's Word together. I'm telling you, it is next to impossible to stumble out of that because it is relational, and people are paying attention to what's going on in your life. That's why it's so important that we're all in some kind of a regular, predictable, maybe even structured uh, environment like, of community like that because it's almost impossible to stumble out of that. The wisest man who ever lived other than Jesus was Solomon. Solomon said a lot of incredible things that he didn't apply to his own life. Uh, in fact, Solomon gives us the reason that he messed things up. He, 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 he says he didn't take his own advice. What he said was extremely wise and extremely practical and extremely important. And then he became like a case study for what happens when you don't do the things that he wrote about and uh, that you ought to do. So before we're too critical, though, of Solomon, most of us at some time or another have been guilty of the same thing. But here's what Solomon said. He said this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. So like over 3,000 years ago, they recognized that one person can do one person's work, but if you put two people together, it actually does the work of three people. That it's called synergy. And when synergy happens, productivity goes crazy. Like you put two oxen together, they can pull the load of at least three, or the load of at least three, what did I just say? Put two oxen together, they can pull the load of three oxen. It's one of those cases where one plus one actually equals three because of the principle of synergy. Solomon begins this discussion by saying, so two are better, two people, two oxen, two anything are better than one because you have a good return. You have a better return on the labor. And then he says this, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. So if you're walking side by side with someone and one of you falls down, you can help each other up. If you're walking with someone, someone is there to help you up. And, and then here's the contrast. He says, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Pity the one who falls and when they fall, there's no one there to help them up. Now in my world, in the world of church leadership and pastoral ministry, aside from illness and death, the most difficult phone calls and emails I get are when people reach out to me and say, I need someone to help me with my teenager. I need someone to help me with my marriage, like my husband, my wife, our marriage is in trouble. 
I need help with a friend. He's drinking too much. He's abusing prescription drugs. She's got something going on with a married man. Like, I need help. Some, someone I love has stumbled, and they're lying in the ditch, and they've stumbled away from God, and away from faith, and maybe into a self-destructive behavior. Somebody I love has stumbled. Would you help me? First thing I want to know is, are you connected to a group of Christ followers? Like, is there a circle of Christ followers around this person? And here's what I, why I want to know that. Because after doing small, this small group thing for over 25 years, here's what I've learned. That when a teenager, a 20-something, a husband, a father, a wife, a mother, an individual, is connected to a believers in a circle, we know there's someone there to help them up. That's why I'm always, I ask that question first. Are you, are you connected in a significant way to other believers? It isn't to feed a program in our church. And 99 times out of 100, it seems like the answer is no. I kind of already know that. Because if the answer had been yes, then they wouldn't even have had to call me because someone in their circle would have been there to help pick them up out of the ditch. Solomon was the richest, wisest, most powerful man in the world, and he stumbled himself. No one was there to help him up because he was just so wealthy and so powerful, and he became so autonomous and so isolated. He had it all figured out, you know, and there was nobody who had access to him. And yet the wisest man in the world said, pity anyone who stumbles and falls and has no one there to, to lift them up. Pity the one who stumbles and falls, and no one is so relationally connected to them that they see what's happening before it happens and can save them from that. I think the tragedy in the life of the church is for men and women and teenagers to just be doing life and thinking, you know, well, that's all nice, and I've heard you talk about this, you talk about it so much, but I don't really need that. I've been a Christian for a long time. I've read lots of books. I haven't missed church in 27 years. I used to teach Sunday school. Don't really need that. Sounds great for some people. I can look around the room. I know some people that really need what you're talking about, Todd, but I don't really need that. I don't have time for it. First of all, I'm super busy. I'm very busy. You know how important I am? I'm an important person. I'm very, very busy and I have a job, and I have kids, and I come to church most Sundays, and I don't really like people that much. People aren't really my jam, and I don't, oh, by the way, I don't have time, and honestly, it sounds like a big commitment, so I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. And then they stumble, and they fall, and there's no one who has the integrity of relationship and access to and doing life with that can come alongside and say, I notice you're struggling. I notice you stumbled. Let me help you. Because here's the deal. When we stumble... We don't even want people to help us. Think about it. Think back in your story. That time when you drifted off and you found yourself in the ditch. How open were you to that person reaching down to you? We don't even want it. Because we're not connected to anybody who has access, anybody who has relational connection, who even knows what's going on in our lives. You can say, you know, you may not want our help right now, but we're just going to stand here. We're just going to stand here. And we're going we're to take turns. We're going to take shifts. And we're just going to stand here until you're ready to grab our hand and let us lift you up. But we aren't going to leave you. The truth is, when you stumble, listen, what you need the most, you will desire the least. That's a human nature thing. When you stumble, what you need the most, you will desire the least. When you, just, when you stumble because things got bad and your faith took a ding, when you stumble because you got distracted and involved with someone you shouldn't have gotten involved with, when you stumble because, like most Americans, you had so much and so many options and so many opportunities and you worked so hard to keep up and to maintain your image, the last thing you're going to want for someone to do is to stop and help you up. But it'll be the thing you need the most. 
So, here's my point. If you've not laid the groundwork relationally, if you've not gotten significantly connected to some people who can be there for you, to disagree with you, to tell you the truth when you don't want to hear it, who refuse to go away, who refuse to leave you in the ditch, if you don't have those kinds of people, when things are good, Solomon says, pity anyone who doesn't have that because when you need it, you're not going to want it. When you need it, you're not going to seek it out. When you need it, you're not going to, you're not going to initiate it. That's why we want you to be connected. We want everyone who calls Faith Community Home to be connected because the best preparation you can make for the inevitability of stumbling blocks is to be connected relationally. Because you, uh, you can stumble out of Sunday church attendance. You can stumble out of your quiet time. You can stumble out of an attitude of worship. You can stumble out of spiritual disciplines and habits. You can stumble relationally in your marriage, with your kids, with your extended family, with your parents, with your coworkers. You can stumble in all these areas. But it's next to impossible to stumble out of biblical community where you are connected to other Christ followers in a significant, meaningful way. So what we really want for you is to be connected. For you to have significant, growing connections with other Christ followers. It doesn't really matter to us how or where that happens. It just matters that it happens and that it's meaningful and that it's growing and that the relationship revolves around Jesus. So we're always working at fleshing out ideas for what that means for us, what exactly that could look like in the life of our church and we keep changing things over time because we are more convinced than ever that circles are better than rows. So listen, I love Sunday mornings. Uh, Some of us love what happens here on Sunday mornings. We think it's awesome. We're always wanting to make it better, more impactful, more memorable, more welcoming, more engaging, more helpful, all of that. But listen, stumbling blocks are going to come. And when they do, you won't have any desire to come sit in rows because when it comes to stumbling blocks, sitting in rows is kind of pointless. There has to be somebody who loves you so much, who knows you so well, who is so connected to you that they feel comfortable standing beside you, speaking truth into your life, correcting you when you are wrong, encouraging you when you are right, and helping you out of the ditch. And many of you have seen the power of community. You know that sitting in rows in church is good, but it's not everything. It just doesn't meet the need when you've stumbled and you're lying in the ditch wondering if anyone will notice. Stumbling blocks are inevitable. Impossible it is to avoid them forever. The question is, who's going to be there with you? Who's going to be walking with you when they come? Because Solomon says, pity the person who stumbles and has no one to help them up. I've been asking all kinds of questions lately as I've been thinking about the importance of biblical community, these significant connections, and as we've been getting ready for whatever is next, you know, for connecting environments. I've been wondering, like, what if, what if we could keep creating environments where real relationships with God and with each other could grow every time we gather? What if all kinds of people with all kinds of backgrounds and stories could gather in these environments and hear inspiring stories and engage in conversation on a regular basis? What if we gathered with one another to discuss topics that are relevant to our lives, spends lots of time in guided conversation, and welcome that spiritual aha moment that connects God to our everyday lives? Like, is it even possible for a church to create environments where people can fully expect to grow closer to someone every time they're there? Is it possible for church to be known as the place where we all go to grow in our relationships? 
Because whether you recognize it or not, we all crave relationships. We want to be known. We want to contribute to the conversation. Here's the deal. Faith in God develops much like other relationships. Like, it's not a, a strict linear process, right? It's not just up and to the right all the time. It's like our human relationships, kind of messy, filled with ups and downs and, and kind of meandering and lots of forwards and backwards. And God, our Heavenly Father, is real. He's alive and active in our world. And He's ultimately relational. Faith comes to life through relationships. Jesus talked about loving God and loving people. So, um, I hope you'll give this some serious consideration. I hope you'll talk with your spouse, with your family, because I know you're busy, like, and figure out what you can carve out of your calendar so you can make meaningful uh, relational connection in a small group kind of setting a priority for you and your family. And we're committed to keep working at it here to create more and more opportunities, uh, just reimagining and reinventing and creating relational environments where you can experience God, where you can meet practical needs in community, where we can provide fellow Christ followers with meaningful ministry opportunities together, and maybe in the process even close the back door of the church. That'd be cool. So if you've been in some kind of a group in the past... Because if you've been around church, especially this church for any length of time, you've probably been in a group of some kind in the past, or maybe in another church, right? It was a community group, it was a Bible study, a men's group, a women's group, whatever. And you had a bad experience. So what? Like you probably had a bad haircut sometime. I mean, you did, I know. (laughs) But you (laughs) you didn't quit getting haircuts. Probably had a bad experience at a restaurant sometimes. You didn't quit eating in restaurants. Like bad things happen, like all the time. So let's just put our grown-up pants on and do what it takes to get into intentional, relational, maybe even structured environments because we often, like most humans, need structure. Those environments with other believers, let's do it. And don't give up on this because you had one or two bad experiences that were weird or awkward or whatever and you tried to connect with some people one time and they turned out ought to be like all weirdos so you decided to keep on all, you know, all your relationships with church people at a level where it can be maintained, listen, with surface conversation before and after church service. Listen, if this environment, as great as it can be, if this is the basis for your relationships with other Christians, I think it's kind of sad. So you know their names, you know where they live kind of, you know where they work, you know what they think about the weather this week and how the Red Sox are doing. That's great. But let me just say, let, that's not enough that, that we can count on people when we stumble. Okay, so we have an agenda for your life, if you're wondering. I just want to be upfront about that, okay? We do have an agenda for your life, so I don't, I'm not trying to slide this in uh, in the fine print. We have an agenda for your life, and it, we want you in circles. We want you in environments uh, where you can know and be known, where you can love and be loved, where you can serve and be served. Because it's in circles, whether that's in your living room, or around your kitchen table, or around the fire pit, or over coffee, or on the golf course, or in the boat. Like you get, it doesn't matter. It's in circles that significant connections are made. And when stumbling blocks are placed in your path, when you're down, we want someone to be there for you to help you up. So here's just, I'm just going to circle back around to our announcements that we started with this morning. I want to encourage you to check out the new Sunday night group that's starting on, on April 24th uh, called the Easter Experience. A great place to get introduced uh, to that dis- discussion around tables. Um, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, 6.30, right here at the church. Wednesday, every other Wednesday morning, if that works for you, 9.15. I've got a few groups that meet in homes. Some of them are maxed out because you can only put so many people in a house. We get that. Uh, here's the deal. If none of that works for you, don't give up. 
because I think if none of that works for you, then it's probably on you. Let's get a new group started. Let's have you host a group. We'll get you resourced and everything you need to host and lead a group. And by lead a group, I mean turn on Right Now Media, play that video and have some conversation about it. You're like, I don't really know. I didn't go to seminary. Good for you. Excellent. You're just the right person. Uh, we'd like to equip, equip you uh, to make this happen. Okay? Um, all right. Just to kind of uh, sum this up, back a few months ago, um, I was talking with Amanda, and uh, she agreed to let me turn the camera on and talk about small group. Here's what she had to say. Hi, my name is Amanda, and I would like to take a moment to share with you about how God has used circles to positively impact my life over the past year. I have been attending FCF on and off for about six years. Two years ago, I moved back to Maine full time. While I was transitioning, I was thankful that God had given me a place to worship and could see that FCF was the type of church I wanted to be a part of. However, I was really struggling to feel like I was part of things and that I belonged here. I could see community happening around me, but it felt like I was on the outside looking in and not truly a part of things. This was difficult for me to the point that I thought maybe I should go to a different church. I am so glad I didn't listen to that thought because in the fall of 2020, I joined Circles and began to experience the community here that I had been longing for. Through small groups, I've had the opportunity to talk, pray, laugh, eat, and just be with people who care about me and who I care about deeply. Joining small groups has not been a quick fix for my loneliness or a perfect experience of belonging. It has taken time to build relationships and the relationships that I have made are still growing. But what God has shown me is that the acceptance and belonging that I was looking for here at FCF, I already had because of Jesus. In Jesus, we are unconditionally accepted, loved, and can experience true belonging. There is nothing we need to do to try to become a part of his church. We simply receive what God has already given us. Sometimes because as a church, we are a group of imperfect people who are growing in our love for and walk with God. We don't always get things right relationally. But our heart's cry at FCF is that you would come to know God and experience his amazing, unconditional love for you. One of the ways that we experience God's love is through our love and care for each other in community. If you find yourself wanting to have a deeper relationship or a more vibrant experience of community in the church, my encouragement is to start with asking God to meet this need in your life and invite a friend or two to join you in prayer about this. Then take a step in faith to move towards others, be it through a small group or another way you feel prompted. If you do visit a small group, I encourage you to give it some time to try to remain open to the possibility that God has something good for you to give to others and to receive through the experience.